Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great this week. How are you? I'm doing just fine, thanks. I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I'm good. Yeah, great. I'm fine. I need good. to. We need to come up with something else because I'm I know. running low. After I know. the lizard thing, and that one really just jump-started things for me, the greetings, earthlings, and now I just don't know where to go. <laughs> I know. I don't really know where to go either from there. I will have to start coming up with some more creative intros to kind of shake things up a bit each each week. Yeah, either that or I'm going to come up with some responses to throw you off. We'll we'll throw each other off. That's fine. We'll mutually we'll work throw each it. other off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> next week. There's always next week. Yeah, all right. So we'll get into the episode this week. I'm really um, excited to share this story because some of my favorite stories are ones that are like the story this week. They're stories of survival and about people who literally beat all odds and live through a horrific event or accident that could have easily ended their lives. I love reading about and hearing stories where somebody has escaped harm or evaded an attack, and especially those where a victim of attempted murder lives to tell their story themselves. So I'm really excited to share a little bit of that this week. It's something a little different. We don't hear these stories very often, but they always make us feel better. Yeah. So Joe Pesci. Who knew that he had a connection to a crime? Raise your hand. Melissa, 
I'm assuming that your hand is raised. I'm not. I had no idea. You didn't. I really didn't. I'm so excited. Yeah. Learn something new every week on Moms and Murder here. Awesome. This is probably the first and maybe only time I've ever taught Melissa anything pop culture or about a celebrity. So yeah, very exciting moment here. <laughs> I thought you meant just taught me something. I'm like, no, actually, I learn quite a bit from you all the time. So <laughs> don't sell yourself short. <laughs> well, then there's also probably the Mandys out there that are saying, who even is Joe Pesci? I'm oh, just gosh. kidding. I actually did know who he was prior to this. <laughs> um, but he is pretty old now. He's 78. So the younger generations maybe wouldn't know who he is. Not really. But he's an American actor who's famous for playing the role of villains and mobsters in several movies in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And he was even in the Home Alone movies. Some of his more iconic roles include Goodfellas, which he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in. Uh, A movie called Raging Bull, Casino, The Irishman, Home Alone, as I said, and My Cousin Vinny. So there's some titles for sure that um, you probably might recognize um, that he has been in. And we're going to get back to Joe shortly. You'll see kind of why we brought him up. He is part of the story. But like I said, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We'll come (laughs) back to Joe. (laughs) So Garrett Warren might not be a name that immediately rings a bell for anyone, but if you are a human being who's ever watched movies or TV, then it's likely you've seen his work in popular productions such as Alice in Wonderland, X-Men Apocalypse, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Dexter, Transformers, and literally so many more that it would take me all day to list them. But believe me when I say you would know dozens of the titles that Garrett has had a role in. And if you're still confused... Don't be. Garrett's entire job is to fool you into believing he's someone else. He is a professional stuntman who has worked on some of the biggest sets in Hollywood, performing stunts in some of the most successful movies in recent history, which is such a cool job. I have always wondered how people become right. a movie stuntman. Like, that's such a cool job. So, so prior to 1990, though, Garrett was just a regular guy. He lived in Boston and he moved to L.A. to help a friend set up a karate school. That's when he got a job as a stunt double for Jeffrey Meek, who was the lead actor on the CBS show The Raven, which was a show about a ninja and ex-Special Forces soldier named Jonathan Raven and all of his adventures. The Raven only got one season and it ended in 1993, but Garrett continued to find work as a stuntman after that. That year, he was picked to be Dolph Lundgren's double in the movie Joshua Tree. After that, Garrett's career in stunting really took off. In 1994, he was the stuntman in six different movies, including Starship Troopers and Double Dragon. In the 2000s, it was Charlie's Angels, Sin City, Mission Impossible 3, and the list goes on and on. In addition to being a stunt performer, Garrett also worked as a stunt coordinator, and later he was the fight coordinator for Transformers and Avatar. In total, he has 116 credits for stunt work and 26 acting credits on some of the same projects that he did stunts for, which is just incredible. That's so many movies to be a part of. That's really leaving your mark in Hollywood for sure. So many more than like big actors would even have. Yeah, His IMDb is really thriving. Definitely. So he was also a fifth-degree black belt in Taekwondo, and he won three World Martial Arts Championships. And as part of his work in stunts and acting, he taught martial arts and fight choreography to many celebrities, including The Rock, Jessica Alba, John Travolta, and Jada Pinkett Smith. Whoa. Yeah. 
So Garrett was also a personal trainer to celebrities Denise Richards, Kate Hudson, Eddie Van Halen, and more. So even if you didn't know who Garrett was or what exactly he did, you've surely enjoyed and been entertained by his work, likely more than once. In the late 90s, Garrett was at a country club with friends when he met Claudia Harrow, a gorgeous former model who was no stranger to the fast-paced Hollywood lifestyle. Her name became known previously when she dated Joe Pesci for several years, and the two got married in 1988. So there aren't a lot of legitimate sources that talk about how Joe and Claudia first met, but many non-legit sources allege that they met at an Easter brunch, which I don't think I've ever heard a meet cute in my life of people meeting at Easter brunch. Right. That's really, that's a a neat one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, because usually you know everybody who's at Easter brunch because it's people that you're very close with. So I Oh, it, that's true. It's kind of a strange like you wouldn't normally meet someone new at yeah. an Easter brunch cuz why would they be there? Or at a family reunion because right. you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to say that didn't happen to a distant cousin of mine, but uh, it did. Oh no. <laughs> Continuing. After several years together, the couple had a daughter named Tiffany. Unfortunately, though, this marriage between Joe and Claudia didn't work out, and in 1991, they filed for divorce. The two remained friendly, and Claudia actually even lived in his guest house following the split. From 1994 to 1997, Claudia found a little bit of work as an actress herself. Some say that Joe was actually the one that talked her into acting. She has five acting credits, and the most noteworthy one that she played was Trudy, the co-host slash band leader in the movie Casino. So out of the five movies that she was in, Joe Pesci was in four of them. The only movie that she was in that Joe wasn't in was Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So in 1999, Joe Pesci announced that he was going to retire from acting and focus on a career in music a la Jeremy Renner. How are all of these celebrities music stars? They're all like triple threats. Yes, yeah, exactly. They're multi-talented. Man, like, let some of us have something, for goodness right? sakes. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually started this career in music long before he became a major movie star. He only came out of retirement, so after he retired just a few times, which, what's the point of retirement if you're just, like, popping up here and there? Um, most recently in 2019, when he starred in the movie The Irishman with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, who he had worked with before, they're all really close friends. Did you see The Irishman? No. Me either. I think it was like 18 <laughs> hours long, but it was one of those that people were like, you have to see it. And then I looked at the runtime. I was like, no, what? I can watch so many <laughs> Real Housewives in that time. That's crazy. So Joe was actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role for that movie. That was a huge movie in 2019. So sometime in the late 90s, Claudia met Garrett Warren, and they hit it off so well that those two were married by the end of March of 1998. Things were amazing in the beginning, but as time went on, it was kind of a roller coaster of a situation. The ups were great, but the downs were really terrible. The couple welcomed a baby, another little girl named Kaylee, on December 17, 1998. Garrett says that becoming a father was the best thing that ever happened in his life. He was really just so proud of his daughter. But too much time apart due to Garrett's hectic work schedule and need to travel a lot left Claudia alone much of the time and their marriage began to fall apart. Their fights were pretty bad. Claudia liked to take the really, really low blows and really hit Garrett where it hurt the most when they were having a disagreement. On July 13, 1999, Claudia filed for divorce less than a year and a half after the two were married. 
But now, of course, there was this baby involved, and the custody battle that ensued became extremely hostile. And when I say extremely hostile, I mean Claudia made some pretty horrific accusations that were completely untrue, including that Garrett had molested their infant daughter. She alleged other things such as that Garrett was gay, that he was an alcoholic, a drug addict, and a womanizer. But the judge presiding over their custody case found no truth to any of these claims and ruled that they would share joint custody of Kaylee. Garrett said that joint custody was really all he wanted in the first place, but Claudia was still angry and things remained tense between them. I just can't imagine the nightmare of a situation of having your ex say something so terrible in a custody battle to try and get custody of your child um, to accuse him of something like that. Like that is just taking it way beyond like to the next level. That's terrifying. That is so terrifying. And you know it happens. You absolutely know it happens. There's stories like this. But it's terrible because when you hear it, of course, you think, oh, my gosh, what's happened here? And and it's terrible that once somebody accuses you of something, you you kind of have to prove you didn't versus them having to prove exactly. that they did. So exactly, it's good that the judge really looked over this and was like, okay, we're not finding anything. Right. Yeah. And we're going to get into more details of this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. You know that thing when you're stressed out and someone says, don't be stressed, and you think, great, now you've cured me. Yeah, same. Being a mom is stressful, and simply telling me not to be stressed is the number one way to end up on an episode of Dateline. But thanks to the Mamas In app, when I'm feeling anxious or irritable or stressed, I can simply fire up my app and listen to a mind power session like Stress Less About the Mess to help me chill out before I flip out about all of the empty cups that just pop up in every room of the house. If you're a mom, you need Mama Zen. Mama Zen is focused on the emotional and mental well-being of moms, which is something we've all neglected since our little ones came into this world. Sometimes just wanting to take the time for yourself or your emotional and mental well-being makes you feel guilty. Good news. There are several Mind Power sessions all about releasing you from mom guilt. To get started, you simply download the app, answer a few questions on how you're feeling and what you're struggling with, and boom, you have a personalized program that fits your unique motherhood journey. You simply pop in a headphone and listen to the Mind Power sessions, which are just 2 to 18 minutes. And there are even emergency sessions you can use when you really feel like you might lose your cool. We really want you to try Mama Zen and see for yourself how much better you can feel as a mom. Go to your App Store or Google Play and download Mama Zen today. That's M-A-M-A-Z-E-N. Right now, you can use promo code MOMS. That code will unlock your free trial so you can try Mama Zen for yourself. Mama, your mental and emotional well-being is the most important thing for you, your kids, and your family. Don't postpone it any longer. There are tons of things that can make me tense each and every day, from running into traffic on my way to pick up my kids from school, rushing to get a podcast edited for a Tuesday release time, or simply doing deep lunges I haven't done in a while. When I'm faced with tension, my new favorite find to get relaxation on my mind and body is to use ginger essential oil. That's ginger with two J's. 
Ginger is a new all-natural essential oil that harnesses all the natural healing properties of ginger, and we are loving it. I like to use just one to two drops of ginger and massage it directly onto my skin when I'm having those annoying minor aches that can really distract from your day. And since ginger comes pre-mixed with jojoba and evening primrose carrier oils, I can use it right from the bottle and onto my skin. You also have the option to use it in your diffuser if you choose. What I really love is knowing that thanks to ginger's special extraction process, micro impurities are being removed in the oil, making for a higher purity ginger oil. What's even better is ginger is eco-friendly as well as cruelty-free so we can feel really good about using it. Take it from us, you need ginger essential oil too. And right now, we have an amazing deal to get you started. 20% off your first purchase, but you have to go to ginger.us moms. That's J-I-N-J-E-R dot moms. Don't wait, ginger with two J's dot us moms. Now back to the episode. So before the break, we were discussing this contentious divorce between Claudia and Garrett and this fight for joint custody of their daughter, Kaylee. About a month after the judge ruled in their case that there was no truth found in any of Claudia's claims against Garrett, on May 20th, 2000, Garrett and his mother were at home in his Westlake Village home. It was around 8.15 p.m. and Garrett had just put Kaylee down to sleep when the doorbell suddenly rang and it rang again. This ringing was fast and frantic, as if there was some sort of an emergency. So when Garrett gets to the front door, a man on the other side speaks to him and seemed to be asking him something about this silver Volvo that's parked out front. Garrett had actually recently bought this Volvo around the same time that he and Claudia had been divorced. He actually had picked Kaylee up in the car that very afternoon, and Claudia had made some sort of a comment about it. So Garrett wondered maybe if this man outside had possibly hit the Volvo, and while he's standing on the other side of the door, you know, gathering his thoughts, the man knocks on the door six times, prompting Garrett to finally open it so he can look outside at his car and at this man standing on the porch. He has no idea what this guy's saying, but he's incessant and, you know, like, okay, fine, what is, what is going on? Right. So when Garrett opens the door, he says, quote, yeah, this is my car. Did you hit it? End quote. But instead of a reply, the man unexpectedly lifted a 32 caliber revolver he was holding down by his leg, and with no warning at all, he shoots Garrett in the chest and the neck. Somehow, Garrett doesn't fall or become incapacitated by these shots, and he makes this effort to get back inside the house and close the door. But then a third shot rang out and hit him in the hip, causing him to fall to the ground. Garrett's attacker then enters the house, stands over Garrett, and shoots him in the right eye. Miraculously, Garrett is still alive. Wow. So Garrett's mom, who was 64 years old at the time, heard the shots and came running. The shooter actually fired two shots at her, barely missing her head, and then ran to his car and took off. This part of the story is both terrifying and incredible because not only was Garrett, who had just been shot four times, including once in the face, not only was he alive, but he was conscious and he was able to call 911 while his mom worked to control his bleeding. So, oh my goodness, I cannot imagine making this 911 call and just having to explain, you know, this, that this situation has just happened, that I have been shot in the face, I've been shot multiple times, other parts of my body, Somehow I'm still able to call for help. It, it's just the most chaotic situation I can possibly think of, like, you know, to have all this going on. And his poor mom is there, you know, just trying yeah. to help as best as she can to control the bleeding. But I can't imagine what that must have been like for her. And then she's got her baby granddaughter in the in the house, too. 
Oh my gosh. And she's, she's been such shot a, at. <laughs> and she's been shot at. Exactly. So just, much. I, it's, it's a lot. It really, really is a lot. It's just incredible to think um, that Garrett was still alive and, and that, that any of this, you know, w- was going down at yeah. this point. So when the police arrived um, right away, Garrett told them that Claudia was the only one who would have done this or been behind this, of course. He gave the description of the shooter to the police to the best of his ability, and he said that it was, quote, a stocky male, possibly Italian or Israeli, five foot nine or five foot ten, with dark, short hair and a goatee. Garrett was then placed in an ambulance and prepared for transport to the local hospital. Before they took him, his mom told him that she uh, wanted him to really fight and that he better not die, and he said whenever he heard his mom say that, you know, he just decided that he was really going to fight for his life. Of course, he has to go in for surgery now because he's been shot and they don't know the extent of his injuries. And so, yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, just a heart-wrenching story. Yeah. Truly, truly. So Garrett was taken to Northridge Hospital Medical Center and he, as I said, was suffering from multiple gunshot wounds as well as a broken jaw and he was taken in for surgery. When Garrett woke up, he was horrified to realize that his right eye had been what he called ripped apart. Mm. He later told Nancy Grace that when this first happened and he first woke up, he could still see some things out of his eye, but he said that it was like looking through a stained glass window, which made it seem like all of this was just some kind of a nightmare or a dream that he was living through. His eye eventually did have to be completely removed and his face was rebuilt with metal. And so Garrett started wearing an eye patch after that and he still does to this day. He later said that this was such a surreal experience for him, you know, as a stuntman because he has done these things, you know, yeah. in movies numerous times. You know, he he's a stunt guy. And now here he was actually being shot in real life. And it was just, of course, nothing like what it is in the movies. Right. But it was just, he said it was just really surreal because to realize that this wasn't a movie set, you know, that this was real life, that this was right. happening. Officers immediately went to speak with Claudia on the very same night of the shooting. And of course, she said she had nothing to do with it and even gave the police an alibi. The police actually didn't believe Claudia was involved after they spoke with her. And eventually Garrett started to believe that maybe it wasn't Claudia after all. He really trusted the police when they said that they Mm. spoke with her, they checked her out, and there was no way that it could be her. So he tried to move on and just let the police do their job in trying to find another suspect. Oh, wow. So the investigation shifted into other directions. Officers wanted to know if maybe Garrett had any bad business transactions recently or even any road rage incidents. They were really looking for anything. But for two years, all they got were red herrings and false leads. Meanwhile, Garrett was terrified and on edge that his assassin was still out there and wanting to finish the job. He started to add a bulletproof vest to his undergarment wardrobe and actually installed pressure-sensitive plates around the perimeter of his property to alert him if anyone breached his safe haven. He even did little things like putting scotch tape on his car door and gas cap so he would know if someone had tampered with the car or the tape. This kind of existence was stressful, obviously, and caused a lot of upset in Garrett's mental and emotional state. I can't imagine thinking like, oh my gosh, somebody came to my house, tried to kill me, tried to shoot my mom, and didn't kill me, and when are they coming back? You just have to think all the time, since they don't know who could have done this. Right. But then, out of nowhere, on March 14th, 2002, police got an interesting break in this case. 
So over 90 miles away from Garrett's home, a drug dealer named Miguel Juarez was busted by the San Bernardino police. Miguel owned B&J's Pizza in Rancho Cucamonga, which Rancho Cucamonga, if you live in that city, I would constantly refer to myself as Melissa of Rancho Cucamonga. It's just my favorite town ever, right? So Miguel owns this uh, B&J's Pizza there, and he sells drugs on the side. But he had no discernible connection to Garrett, except that he happened to have this photo of Garrett that was hidden in an envelope in the trunk of his car under the spare tire. Why would you have this kind of information? Wow. Wow. I don't even have a picture of my family under a spare tire in the back of my car. Right. Yeah. And so imagine the police, though, like doing this drug bust and finding it just these police don't really know. You know, they just find a picture of some guy stuffed in an envelope and, you know, and they're like, well, obviously this is like really suspicious because there's only so many reasons, like you said, why somebody would have to be (laughs) hidden back here. So, yeah, just incredible that they just happened to stumble on this. Right. Inside this envelope, there were also pieces of a napkin with directions to where Garrett was now living, as well as dates that he could be killed. The envelope these things were found in was postdated October 18th, 2001, and it was sent from Hollywood. These dates meant that Miguel had been hired to kill Garrett after the first attempted hit on his life took place. So Garrett was right to be terrified and wearing a bulletproof vest and all these other things because somebody was really still coming for him. So San Bernardino police contacted officers in L.A. County and they handed over the envelope and its contents. Garrett and his mom were then brought down to the local police station to view a photo lineup or a six pack as it's sometimes called, which is a photo of six potential suspects. Miguel's photo was included in this lineup, and shockingly, Garrett actually picked him out as the person who he believed had shot him the first time. He said that Miguel looked like the individual, but he was a bit skinnier. So when Claudia hears about him making this ID, she actually tries to convince Garrett that he picked the wrong man from this lineup, because she pointed out that Garrett said the shooter was 5'9 or 5'10, and that they used their right hand to fire the gun. Miguel was actually only five foot four, and he was left-handed, so that didn't match up with Garrett's own recollection. On November 25th, 2003, officers brought Garrett back in for a live lineup, and Garrett once again picked Miguel out of the bunch and said that although he had lost weight and had gray hair now, Miguel was definitely the one. So Miguel was charged with attempted murder. Which is also incredible to me that based on just like the guy being like, yeah, that's the guy, like they charged him with mur- attempted murder. That's because we'll hear some stories where it's like, oh, we have fingerprints, we have DNA, we have everything. And they're like, eh, we don't maybe have enough. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like sometimes it feels like sometimes there's no rhyme or reason, but it really is the department that's choosing this, you know, the police officers, the prosecution, who's right. on the case as to where it goes. Right. So on December 22nd, 2003, Miguel's preliminary hearing was held and multiple witnesses testified that he was working at his restaurant on the night Garrett was shot. Shortly after his hearing, Claudia showed up with some photos that were taken about two months after the shooting took place at a party that was at Joe Pesci's house. So this is a little bit strange okay this is where things kind of are like huh yeah so garrett had actually gone to joe pesci's house to pick up his daughter kaylee one evening and apparently this guy miguel was 
also at the same party. So not only that, but Claudia, I guess, was taking photos and she had photos where there was Miguel and Garrett in the same picture two months after the attempted murder. Whoa. Yeah. So these photos, of course, were given to investigators and they determined that Miguel was not the man who shot Garrett a couple of years earlier, but they still thought that Garrett did know the person who shot him. I just think all of this is so crazy, right? So, like, they right. have this guy, Miguel. He picks him out of the lineup. And then also it kind of makes you wonder, like, did he pick him out of the lineup at this point? Because the face was familiar because right. he had seen him at this party. And maybe he didn't, you know, of course, if you just see somebody one time and don't think about them again, maybe if you see them again, like, months later, you'll be like, I think I've seen this face right. before. You know, I've seen this person before. So you can kind of see how he would be like, yeah, I think that could be the guy right. out of the, all these people that you're showing me because he actually had seen this person's face before, right. just not when he thought he did. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yeah. So in early January 2004, another photo lineup was curated for Garrett to look at. This time, he picked a different man who had thicker neck hair and a heavier set face. Although Garrett had pointed this man out, the police believed that he also was not the killer. And they went back to Miguel and asked if he'd be willing to cooperate with them. And he did. And we're going to get into what happened next after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. It's 2021, and if there's one thing I think we can all agree on, it's that comfort is the name of the game, especially when it comes to shoes, and Rothy's can make that happen. And what better time of year to embrace all things cozy than the fall? And we know nothing says fall like soft, plush merino wool, and for the third year in a row, Rothy's is actually launching an exclusive autumn collection that features washable merino wool styles. They come in an amazing variety of colors, patterns, and styles, plus they're incredibly comfortable, cozy, and did we mention they are washable, 100% machine washable. And Rothy's has more than just women's shoes now thanks to their new men's line that includes durable and washable men's sneakers and men's driving loafers. My husband is a total flip-flop guy, but he knows how much I love my steel gray Rothy's tennis shoes, so I've actually convinced him to get a pair of Rothy's for himself. Mine have held up now for over three years, so I feel great buying him a pair of shoes that I know he will love long-term. Pop Sugar recently named Rothy's one of the most comfortable and cute flats you'll never tire of wearing, and they aren't kidding. I love my Rothy's and they're still my go-to even after having them for several years. To help you welcome fall season in style, Rothy's is doing something special. That's right. They gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. Right now, you can get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash moms. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash moms. Head to rothys.com slash moms to find your new favorites today. There's never been a better time to take care of yourself than now. Whether something in your life is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, the licensed professional therapists with BetterHelp want to help you become the best you this year. BetterHelp is professional counseling that you can do right from the comfort of your home through weekly video or phone sessions. I've used BetterHelp over the past few years, and I can't tell you what a relief it is just to get all my thoughts out to a professional without ever having to leave the house. I deal with anxiety and depression and have most of my adult life, so having someone I'm able to talk through with different scenarios or those immediate big problems that pop up in life has really been invaluable, especially this last year. Of course, anything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And best of all, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is also available. Whether you're struggling with family issues, sleep, stress, or more, BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. 
In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com moms. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Now back to the episode. So before the break, we mentioned that Garrett had picked out a new man in this photo lineup that police didn't believe were involved in uh, the shooting. And that's when police go to Miguel to see if he'd be willing to cooperate, which he obviously knows something. He's got this guy's picture, you know, in his trunk. Um, And Miguel says that he will, he's willing to help. So on March 22nd, 2004, Miguel takes a plea deal. He pleaded guilty to being an accessory after the fact. He ended up giving this full confession and actually had to testify against those who were really behind this evil plot. In exchange for his plea, he was given a sentence of five years probation and a suspended prison sentence of three years. But investigators were able to learn what happened as a result of giving him this deal, which is really the whole thing. Like, how are you connected to this and who really did this? Like, who who was it behind all of this? So Miguel confessed to his involvement and told officers that the person who helped him come up with a plan to kill Garrett was a man named Manuel Harrow. That's right, Harrow. Same last name as Garrett's ex-wife, Claudia. So it turns out that Claudia's brother was involved in the world of crime himself. He had also worked with Miguel at the pizza place at one time, but they actually knew each other through their drug dealing since about 1996 or 1997. Miguel also handed over this other letter that he was given by Claudia. 
And on this letter, it lists the days that Garrett has custody of their daughter. So specifically part of this letter reads, not Wednesday or Saturday, my daughter is with him. So she doesn't want her daughter to see this happen. And Miguel tells the police that he was never the hitman at all, but that he had actually contacted another man named Jorge Hernandez to actually carry out the shooting. It was Jorge who had shot Garrett the first time and Jorge who was supposed to go back and finish the job. So Miguel agrees to wear a wire and meet with Jorge, which is a lot that they're asking him. Obviously, yeah. he's involved, but like he's really having to work for, <laughs> for this uh, plea agreement. So on June 12th, 2004, a conversation between these two men is recorded. And Miguel said that, you know, hey, the police have found this envelope that's under my spare tire and they found fingerprints and DNA on it. And so Jorge said the instructions he was given had been destroyed, but he also made other incriminating statements. So when Miguel talks to him in this meeting and says, you know, Garrett didn't die the first time, Jorge said, quote, I apologize, dude. I'm not a good shot, end quote. What? What a, like, it's so, like, nonchalant. Like, what? Yeah. Like, my bad. I forgot your Doritos when I went to the right. store. Like, what in the world? Yeah, although... Doritos is a pretty terrible thing to forget for somebody, but still, this apology is way worse. So Jorge also says, you know, while he's still being recorded, quote, just get the guns or whatever and I'll get, we'll finish it off if that's what you need, end quote. So based on all of this, both Jorge and Manuel were arrested for attempted murder. Manuel ends up taking a deal where he pleaded guilty to attempted murder and was given life in prison. So he had to tell the police why he comes up with this plan to kill Garrett at all. And Manuel says that his sister, Claudia, Garrett's ex-wife, comes to him in February 2000, and she claims that Garrett is an alcoholic, a drug addict, and a child molester. Same, you know, pack of goods that she tried to sell the judge in their divorce case. And Manuel hears this, and he believes her. And so she asked him, you know, based on this, could he help have Garrett killed? He's obviously terrible to be around their daughter. You know, we've got to get her away from him. And during this conversation, Claudia actually asked her brother, what happens if the hit's not successful? Will somebody come back and finish it later? I guess everybody knew Garrett was like the toughest guy in the entire world to be able to withstand all this, to even think like, hey, what happens if it doesn't work? So Manuel told the investigators that he asked another friend named Lovell Campbell about hiring a hitman, and this friend said that he could get a guy for $6,000, which, once again, it's always shocking how cheap it is to hire a hitman, how little money people will do murder for. Like, that's just... Wow, so crazy. Yeah, Date with um, Dateline has a spreadsheet that they have listeners add to, and it's like literally what people will do for a hit. And it'll be like a bicycle and a 24-pack of Diet Dr. Pepper. It's just the most random things. But right. there's no like real scale that people are working on, and it's all like whatever they decide. It's it's crazy. Right. So this guy said that all he needed was a gun and directions to Garrett's house and a description of what he looked like. Manuel told Claudia about this and asked her for the information as well as half of this payment up front. But 10 days later, the hit still hadn't been carried out, and Lovell told Manuel that he couldn't find Garrett or his house, so the hit was not a success. 
Instead of giving up, though, Claudia asked if there was anyone else that could try. And that's when Manuel hired Miguel, who then hired Jorge Hernandez, which this whole thing is like a t- game of telephone for hitmen. I don't understand I like why there are so many people involved. And why Obviously, everyone none says of them yes. are very good at this. Yeah, exactly. Every time it's like, oh, I'll call this person. Okay, well, he knows somebody. Nobody's like, you know what, guys? This is a terrible idea. Yeah. They're like, and no, no one's problem. just like, I'll do it myself either. Everyone's like, yeah, I know a guy. I know a guy. They're yeah. all like. <laughs> <laughs> they probably all know the same guy. Yeah, eventually, yeah, they probably will get back to somebody that is a mutual connection to everybody. <laughs> so, um, so Jorge agreed to do it, but he said that he wanted ten to fifteen thousand dollars. After talking with Claudia, they decided to go on the low side and that he would be paid ten thousand. Manuel said that Jorge was the one who tried to kill Garrett in May of two thousand. Manuel then gave Miguel an envelope with the $10,000 inside to give to Jorge, but then later, Claudia called Manuel to tell him that Garrett had survived the shooting and that she still wanted the hit to be completed. Claudia spoke to Miguel herself, and she was the one who mailed the envelope found under his spare tire along with the instructions for how to kill Garrett. Claudia actually delivered these instructions to the wrong person initially. Oh my gosh. Thankfully for her, the wrong person was a friend of Miguel's who did eventually give him the envelope, but then later on, Claudia also hand-delivered a third set of instructions to Miguel as well. So there's a lot of paper trail. There's a lot of repetitive paper trail going on here. There is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Miguel never acted on the instructions because he was arrested on unrelated drug charges in that San Bernardino bust where they found the picture and all of this kind of started coming to light. So he didn't get to, thankfully, did not get to complete any of these, you know, instructions to carry out this hit because he was busted before he could have, which so many incredible parts to this story. This is just another one that the police just randomly figured this out in time, literally to save his life. You know, it's just incredible. So upon his arrest, Jorge Hernandez refused to speak to investigators or to cooperate with them at all, and he declined to make a deal with the police. He pleaded not guilty, but in November of 2006, he was convicted of conspiracy to murder Garrett and the premeditated murder attempts of Garrett and his mom, Joanne. Jorge was sentenced to 77 years in prison. Garrett took the stand in his trial, and when the prosecutor asked how sure he was that Jorge was the hitman, Garrett said, quote, I would bet my left eye on it. Unquote. <laughs> I love him. But police still had one huge thing to figure out, and that was where did Claudia come up with the $10,000 to hire a hitman? Her brother Manuel said that one time Claudia gave him money in front of Joe Pesci's house. Remember, she's still living at the guest house during this entirety of the story. So police did interview Joe, but there were no charges brought against him for anything, and he wasn't involved in this attempted murder in any way. But Lovell Campbell did claim that Joe was involved financially in the hit. He said he wasn't directly involved in anything, but he alleged that the money somehow came from Joe Pesci. An attorney asked Manuel if he would suggest that Joe was involved in the attempted murder, and he replied, quote, not in the shooting, just in the ping, end quote. So keep in mind, there's no credible evidence to support this whatsoever. If there was, then Joe would have been charged. In December of 2005, Claudia was finally arrested and charged with two counts of attempted murder and conspiracy to commit murder. 
but after just 23 months in jail, she was released on $1.25 million of bail. And wow. that's where I think that Joe Pesci money could be coming in, right. <laughs> in this portion of the story. So police learned that in the two weeks leading up to when the second attempt on Garrett's life was supposed to take place, Claudia actually stalked him. She followed him around. She kept this notebook where she documented every move he made. And so the L.A. detective said that if she hadn't tried to go after Garrett a second time, she actually would have been able to get away with her involvement in it the first time. Wow. So when Garrett learned that Claudia was actually the one behind the hits on his life, he said he felt vindicated and horrified. Mm. He was working on the set of Beowulf when the detective called with the news. And he said, quote, she had been putting on an act for so long and making it seem like it had to be someone else and that it was my fault it happened to me. A few days later, Garrett met a couple of the detectives for lunch. They told him that it was Manuel who implicated Claudia in the hit and that Manuel was apologetic. They felt he'd been manipulated by Claudia after she lied about the things Garrett had done, such as saying that he was a child molester when that was not true at all. So Manuel, being Claudia's brother and Kaylee's uncle, was obviously having none of that, and he became enraged and protective of them, which made him comfortable with having Garrett killed. Claudia pled no contest on two counts of attempted murder and a principal firearm charge in March of 2012. On April 10th, she had her sentencing hearing. She showed up to this, get this, she showed up to this wearing a tight-fitting black dress and high heels, and accompanying her in the courtroom that day was her current boyfriend, her ex-husband, Joe Pesci, who was also wearing all black and sunglasses, and a nun. (laughs) (laughs) She brought a nun to court. I don't know how they pulled that off. How do you just... How do you just get a nun for the day to follow you around? There's probably I just, like a dial a nun. I feel like people could use it more often. I mean, if not, that's let's go into that unusual. business. Yeah, that, that, it's one I've never seen before. I haven't seen that dial one before. A yeah. <laughs> Nobody take that idea from us. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. <laughs> Claudia was sentenced to 12 years and four months in prison. As she was escorted out of the courtroom, the people that came with her cried out, we love you. We love you. <laughs> Including the nun, I guess. I don't know. She got paid extra. That was like the tip part of it. She went for a 25% tip and got the nun to say, I love you. Yeah. So Joe Pesci left the courtroom in a hurry. He was visibly upset after the whole ordeal. L.A. County Deputy District Attorney Michelle Hannessy told the Daily Beast, quote, Garrett's success is the best revenge. He has gone on to be hugely successful in Hollywood, and she is going to prison, end quote. Garrett was eventually awarded full custody of his daughter, Kaylee. In the early 2000s, he married a woman named Issa, and the two of them had three more children together. Unfortunately, Issa filed for divorce in 2012, but Garrett soon met a new woman named Madison, and the two are now currently engaged. Garrett continued to work as a stuntman and coordinator, working on movies we all know and love. His Twitter bio says, quote, One-Eyed Wonder, Legend, Terminator, El Gato, pound for pound the best one-eyed balding stunt coordinator slash second unit director in all of Hollywood. Maybe. I love End him quote. so much. I do too. We need to follow him on Twitter. I, I love him so much already. I definitely want to look him up and just follow him. He seems like he has quality content. Yes. Oh, just I love based that. on that bio. The bio yeah. is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in 2012, Garrett sat down with Nancy Grace for an interview. 
He said that getting shot four times has made him a better person in his industry because now he has firsthand knowledge of what it's like to be shot, which not everybody can put that on their CV, right? right? Like, yeah. why should we hire you as a hitman? It's I've actually something. been yeah. shot. I survived. <laughs> I called 911. So Nancy asked him how the shooting specifically changed his life. And Garrett said, quote, you know, I'll be honest with you, Nancy, and it's the biggest part of me that I try to bring about out of the whole thing. When you sit on the ground and you are dying and you have time to think about it, everything bad that you've done in your life comes back up. So I learned to have a lot of forgiveness. I've forgiven anybody and everything that has ever happened to me or will happen to me because, you know, this world's not worth it. And honestly, when the day comes and I have to be judged, I certainly hope that I'm forgiven. End quote. And if you don't have chills after I read that, then please rewind it 15 seconds and hear it again because that is truly amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It's always so incredible when you hear not only these stories of survival, but it often you do hear about people who are able to come out of it and really find that kind of forgiveness in their hearts. And really, it's necessary for them to continue going on with life after something this traumatic happens to them. And it really is just a beautiful thing. I love seeing when people can overcome a situation like this and just go on to live truly a happy life afterwards and not have it affect them forever. Right. So Nancy asked Garrett what his daughter Kaylee thinks or, you know, if she knows what her mom did. And Garrett said that he's done his best to insulate Kaylee from the whole thing, but that she does know the whole story. He said that he wants his child to love her mother no matter what. And Garrett said that Kaylee does go to see Claudia and they speak on the phone as much as they want. And Garrett even takes a little girl for visitation when he can. Garrett said he wants his daughter to be raised as normal as possible. Quote, Everyone makes mistakes and you have to move on, end quote. Which coming from him is amazing. From his story, like, wow, it could easily be, I hope they pay. I hope they pay longer. I hope every one of them pays and their family pays and everything. And he's just like, this sucks. It was terrible. I forgive you. Let's move on. He's incredible. It's very incredible. Yeah, because, you know, living with just like that hatred and that like, you just can't let it bring you down. I mean, it really could. You know, he really could take this with him and it would affect him for the rest of his life negatively. So, yeah, I it's always, really amazing. And not everybody is capable or able to like to let go and to be able to do that. Yeah. So I think it really is something special. I, I would never tell anybody what to do. I just remember hearing the phrase and it's always stuck with me. Um, forgiving somebody. It, it What is it exactly? Forgiving somebody is for you. You do it for yourself because you're right. releasing them from this. They don't even know. It doesn't even matter. But for right. you to be able to move on, which I think is powerful. And that's totally what he's done. He's truly amazing. I have to find him on Twitter so we can follow him. Yes, definitely. Yes. I love this story Me so too. much. This was such a great one. Yeah. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed this episode. So before we get out of here, we're going to do a little last thing before we go. Shakalaka. <laughs> it's a shakalaka to you. Here we go. So this week we talked a little about Joe Pesci. I looked up some facts on uh, Home Alone. And Mandy, I'm just going to ask you some questions. You can answer them. I think you'll do quite well on this. Oh, and, do you? I mean, I don't know. Have you ever seen Home Alone? Full disclosure, I have never watched no, the movie. No, no, no. No, 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 no. This is – let's wrap it up. Let's just I... finish it. Let's call it a day. I have seen parts of it. Like it's been on. My children have watched it, but I don't – I literally have never – even when I was a child, I never sat down and watched Home Alone. Honestly, are there just sections of your life you've forgotten maybe? 
Is it possible you were in a small coma for like 15 years? Let's just see what you have. Let's see what you have. Here we go. how embarrassing this can get. No, I mean, (laughs) honestly, it doesn't matter if you've seen it or not for these, but that was a revelation. Okay. (laughs) First of all, how long did it take John Hughes to write Home Alone? Was it nine days, nine weeks, or nine months? nine days nice job it was nine days he was planning yeah this trip to europe and he was freaking out and trying to figure out you know what to pack and he was like oh i need to remember to pack the kids and that literally triggered him to write this movie wow right cool Yeah, yeah that's awesome so who was production originally wanting for the role of harry which by the way harry is a guy in this movie uh joe pesci original is who played him, but who did they want originally to play this character? Was it Robert Redford, Robert De Niro, or Robert Blake? Robert De Niro. Nice job, Mandy. You're doing great. Yeah. I only have two more, so you're doing really well. Okay. So how long was Home Alone the highest grossing domestic live action comedy, which is a category? Um, Seven years, 17, or 27? You know what? Home Alone is really popular. I'm going to say 27. You are right, but I love that you say Home Alone is really popular. Like, <laughs> for the others, not for you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it, it ends its I am run- aware that it's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. There's some movies that just, like, are totally out of my scope. Like, My Cousin Vinny is one that I've always meant to watch, and I have it. And now I'm right. like, mm, I don't know if I want to watch it. Right. Um, so it's like, and if you it. have it now, right? And that's like me. Like I'm like, if I haven't watched Home Alone by now, like what are the odds that I'm ever going to? I, I do think it could maybe be a goal for you this year. I did my, your cranberry sauce last year. You can. It's do, a Christmas movie, right? Yeah, you can do. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I do it. I took my year. glasses off. I can't take anymore. All right. Last We're do one. It as a family, oh, I decided. <laughs> your family's apparently already been doing it. <laughs> They'll invite you this year. Okay, last one. (laughs) So what conspiracy theory do some people actually think gains credence from Home Alone? Like they think actually was part of Home Alone. They've like, let me just say them. Do you think it was lizard people that could have been found in Home Alone, the Illuminati, or Elvis still being alive? Elvis still being alive. Mandy, you got 100% on a movie you've never (laughs) seen. No way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's this clip – well, spoiler alert for you, whenever the mom goes up to the desk and is like, I need a flight and John Candy is behind her, there's a guy standing next to them that supposedly looks like Elvis, but I watched the clip today and I have truly no idea where people came up with it. I, I think I have seen this part of the movie. So help me. Of course you've seen this part of the movie, but um, yeah, so 100% Mandy, that's that's the best wow. one you've ever done. That's amazing. I feel really good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy for you because wow, wow, wow. All right. Well, that is all I have. Okay. All right. That's all I have too. (laughs) All right, guys. We will be back next week. Same time, same place. New story. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.